Lord, you are truly great, and there is none greater. And Lord, we just thank you for being great and being good at the same time. You are great in your might and your power, the authority that you have. You are the King Most High. And at the same time, you're good and your mercy, and your grace, your patience, your kindness. Because of that, you are greatly to be praised, and we are a gracious people, a grateful people. We thank you for being who you are, and we just give you all the glory for who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. We're glad you're here on this Memorial Day weekend, and oftentimes it's the weekend where many go and travel and do family things, but... Uh, you saw it fit to be here, and we're thankful for that. Glad you're here. It's always good to remember, uh, as Memorial Day is, it's good to remember those who sacrifice their lives for our freedom. Amen. It's good to remember the price of our freedom, uh, because when you recognize the value of something, you treat it differently, don't you? You treat those uh, Oakleys, those Costas, those Ray-Bans a little different than those $10 dime store Shades, don't you? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Nobody? Okay. When you recognize something is more valuable, and what's, how's it more valuable? Well, what it costs. Then you handle it with care, and you protect it. And I believe that we ought to do that with our freedom. Amen? We ought to guard that and protect that and value that. Well, I, I have a sermon title that I assumed that everyone would understand when I said it, and I was wrong. But uh, my sermon title is Take That Hill. And uh, this is, a, this is a, a phrase that military guys understand, those who like to watch war movies understand. I mean, it's a, uh, it, it's a, it's a reminder. Uh, we're going to, of course, talk about it in the spiritual. But that uh, the, the strategic position is always the high ground. You need to think about that. Anytime you watch a, a Civil War movie or... The World War II movie. I was just watching, uh, I watched Hacksaw Ridge yesterday. That's a good movie about a, a true war hero, Desmond Doss. And, uh, uh, and, and it's always strategic to have the high ground because it's easier to fight downhill than it is uphill. And, so, and then the more pr primitive the weapon, that is most definitely the case. Uh, but we're going to talk about that in the spiritual aspect today. You know, and as we remember those who gave their lives for our freedom uh, many of them, the last words they heard from their commanders, take that hill, take that high ground. Well, we need to remember that in our own personal lives as to not give the enemy the strategic position. And so let, I just want you to know that Satan's always trying to take the high ground. He always has. Let, even before he was known as Satan, he was known as the angel Lucifer. If you'll turn me to Isaiah 14, Isaiah 14, we're going to look at his nature this is, this is what he does. In Isaiah 14, you will see that um, Lucifer, now remember, uh, Satan is not eternal. He was a created being. He was created as an angel, a glorious angel. I mean, uh, he was uh, known as an archangel, Lucifer, and, and he, he kind of got to liken his own glory, and he wanted more of it than what God gave him. And so in Isaiah 14, we get a little bit of insight into this. And how he was cast out from his position, his high position. So he was given a high position. He wanted a higher one. 
And because of that, he was cast down to a low position. Chapter 14, verse 12, Isaiah. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. You see it? I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And this phrase, stars of God, this is referring to other angels, angelic beings, uh, messengers of God. He said, I want to be higher than the rest of them, even the higher than the other archangels. I'm going to be higher. Also, I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. The most high. This is El Elyon, the Hebrew word for God most high. And Lucifer says, though he created me, I'm going to be like him. I'm going to be higher. I want to be higher. And he's always trying to be higher. And he's always trying to elevate himself. And he's always trying to do that in, the, in not only the, the physical, but also the spiritual. And you're going to see how it all ties together. Amen? So as we continue through the scriptures, I'm going to backtrack for a little bit. I want you to turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. In the book of Deuteronomy, God is about to bring his nation into the promised land. And he is warning his people uh, about the, the allure to switch mountains. So as we talk about this high ground, I need you to understand that kingdoms often to referred in the spiritual sense as mountains. As mountains. Mountains can represent kingdoms and governments. Uh, next Sunday, we'll be talking about how the church is to be taking mountains, but you need to be able to take them in your own personal life before we can do it corporately, and that's what we're talking about today. And so in the Old Testament, we see God about to move his people into the promised land, the land that he intended on giving his people, and, and yet what has happened is the enemy has gone in beforehand, uh, demonic gods, pagan gods, had gone in beforehand and had tried to take every high mountain. And when the nation of Israel goes in, they will remove them from those high mountains. But God needs to give them a physical reminder of this. And so before they go in, he says, when you do go in, I want you to set aside Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And I want you to, to take a stone on the top of that mountain, whitewash it, chisel in it the blessings that I'm giving you on this mountain. And over on the other mountain, whitewash the stone and chisel in it the curses that will come when you choose that mountain. When you choose me, you will be blessed. Anything else, you'll be cursed. And so he gives them the physical, mental picture of these two mountains. And you need to understand is because in the spiritual, Satan is always trying to elevate himself and take a high ground. And he will. If you will, if you will just go passive, if you will just uh, shift into neutral... I promise you, Satan will start ooching his way up to the top of your mind, your heart, your life. He will continually try and take high ground. And so in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28, God is telling his nation, the people of Israel, he says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you, catch it, high above all nations of the earth, and these are the blessings. These blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. This phrase shall overtake you and come upon you. This is a term that basically means run you down and tackle you. Run you down and tackle you. I'm okay getting run down and tackled by God's blessings. Anybody else? 
<laughs> I, I, I'll run slow. I'll run slow. Run, down, run me down and tackle me with your blessings, Lord. He says, over here on this mountain, I need you to get the physical picture of when you stay on the mountain of God's authority, his blessings flow straight down. When you line up under his authority, you line up underneath his blessings. But when you get over here and allow Satan to take the high ground of your mind and your heart, when you get over here on this mountain, here's what it says in chapter 28 and verse 45. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed. I need you to understand that Satan is always trying to elevate himself. He always is. He's always playing king of the mountain. You give two country boys a mound of dirt, we're going to play king of the mountain. I'm a grown man. I still play king of the mountain. I, I, that's just fun, isn't it? Well, this is what Satan is always trying to do. He's trying to elevate himself higher. And, and, and God says there's two mountains here. You can elevate the Lord and be under his authority, or over here Satan is going to elevate himself. And he will be your authority. But with him, you, over here you've got the protective covering of God. Over here you do not. And Satan will always, under his authority, he steals, kills, and destroys. He's always trying to take what isn't his. He's always trying to take what isn't his. Just as we read it earlier in Isaiah, he was trying to take the throne of God. And it wasn't his to take. So God casts him out, and now he tries to do it amongst men. He's always trying to take what isn't his. And so they do go into the promised land, and, and they do take the land, and yet not completely. They, there was some remnant left of the pagan junk. And, and, and then God gives Solomon, King Solomon, the, supposedly the wisest man in all the earth to ever have lived, and yet he did some of the stupidest stuff. He didn't listen to God. God said, don't you take a bunch of wives because they will lead you into pagan practices of their pagan gods. And so uh, he did. And he, because of this, he split the nation. And so what we see is the nation is divided into two. And because of Solomon and his, his pagan wives, now he has set up, guess what they called them? High places. High places. The physical represents the spiritual. They always wanted to be on top. They always wanted to be on top. They would have an Asherah pole, and they would have uh, uh, altars and shrines to Baal and, and these different pagan gods, Molech, and, and all of this garbage. And these were demon gods trying to elevate themselves in the minds of men. And as long as men would submit to them, it would be their God. And so here's what, here's what God said. If you get on my mountain... You'll be blessed. But if you allow them to elevate themselves in your life, there's a curse that comes with that. It's kind of like me asking you, would you rather have a million dollars or a poke in the eye with a sharp stick? I mean, it's, it just seems obvious, doesn't it? But the fact of the matter is when you go passive, when you get lazy in your spiritual walk, Satan will elevate himself in your life. Here's what God calls it. He calls it idolatry. Or also adultery. Idolatry is adultery. And so they would have their idols on those hilltops and they would go and they'd worship their idols with some of the most grotesque type of sexual perversion that you can think of. And that's how they would worship their reproductive gods. And they would do that on the hilltops. And so here's how God says it in Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 7. Check out how he says it. On a lofty and high mountain... You have set your bed. Even there you went up to offer sacrifice. 
Also behind the doors and their posts you have set up your remembrance for you have uncovered yourself to those other than me and have gone up to them. I don't know if you're catching what God is saying, but he's saying you're playing the whore with every God in this country. And, and then he goes on to say in verse 8, you have enlarged your bed and made a covenant with them. You have loved their bed where you saw their nudity. He calls idolatry adultery. It is, and then he says, it's so bad that one, your bed made for two isn't even big enough. You had to make it bigger. He's talking about how they were supposed to be married to the one true God and that they would be faithful to him. Every time that I do a wedding, I make it real clear. You're making a promise to love them and be faithful to them. It is a covenant. And that is the same thing with salvation. You have made a promise to God that you will love him and be faithful to him. And the nation of Israel made a promise, God, we will love you and be faithful to you. And God says, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're committing spiritual adultery with all these gods who want to elevate themselves. And guess where they did it? On all the high places. High places. So they go into the land and, and every king that would come up, and you can read it in the book of First Second Kings, uh, you would see this king who would come along and the scriptures would refer to the high places always. And, and, and Israel, the northern tribes, they never had any good kings. They never had not a single good king. But the southern tribes known as Judea or Judah, they had a few. But even so, most of the few kings would refuse to remove the high places. It's interesting that they would, the, the scriptures would say, and this one did as their father David, and they, they, they turned the hearts of the people back to God, but they did not remove the high places. There were two kings that removed the high places that were told in the scriptures, and one is King Hezekiah, and he wasn't perfect. He blew it at, at the end. But the scripture says that Hezekiah went on a mission throughout the entire nation and he was removing the high places. And it says because he followed God holy, the Lord was with him wherever he went and the Lord prospered him. Don't you know that as Satan tries to elevate himself in your life, if you will go on a mission and say, I'm going to remove every high place in my life everywhere, that, he, that the Lord will be with you in that and he will prosper you in it. Amen? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you'll, you'll join me and recognizing that God wants you. Here's the truth. It's his to give to you, but it's yours to guard. It's his to give to you, but it's yours to guard. <clears throat> Let's get it down to <clears throat> Isaiah 57, verse 13. When you cry out, let your collection of idols deliver you. But the wind will carry them all away and breath will take them. But he who puts his trust in me shall possess the land. And shall inherit my holy, what? <coughs> Sorry, my holy mountain. He said, I, yeah, if you just toss it, I'll catch it. <laughs> Sorry, <coughs> thank you. As we were singing, it's his breath in my lungs. I'm like, Lord, you got to breathe through me today. <laughs> I think I had the flumonia. And uh, <laughs> I ain't sure, but I'm, Lord's blessed, I'm over it. All right. Amen. So, God says, you want help? Call to your idols, see if they'll help you. Call to your idols. You say, well, we don't have idols today. That was all those little pagan gods they set up and built altars to. Uh, if you don't think you have idols, let me ask you, what do you spend the most time thinking about? What do you spend your most, the most amount of your money on? If you don't know, I can look at your bank ledger and tell you what your idol is or who your God is. 
And so I also need you to understand God will destroy your idols if you're in a love relationship with him. So that don't sound very loving. It is absolutely loving. It is absolutely loving. Why would God destroy your idols? And you'll get so frustrated over the process because you have put so much energy, so much thought, so much money into this, this hobby or possession or job or relationship or you can just go down the list and you put so much into that and it just continues to fall apart. Why? Because God loves you so much that he can't allow you to be satisfied with anything, with anything other than than the greatest. And he will destroy your idols because your idols will destroy you. And so here you have a, a people group, his people. We sing Beulah Land, not even know what we're singing. It means marriage land. God was married to this people. He was in covenant with, with his people and they continued to, to adulterate. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to keep it in children. I, I know we got a mixed audience. <laughs> they would continue to give themselves away to all these pagan, these false gods. And God said, call out to them. See if they'll help you when you're in trouble. See, the truth is God had given them the high places. It's his to give. He gives us high places. But the fact of the matter is the enemy is always trying to ooch his way up and get on top yeah. and play king of the mountain. So if you look in 57, Isaiah 57, verse 15, for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. Did you catch that? The high and lofty one. Yeah. Amen? He is the high and lofty one. Or El Elyon, God most high. Thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. Amen? Y'all with me? With him who has a... So I, I'm way up there in the high and holy place with him who is contrite and humble. Catch it? How, how, do I, how do I get high? You go low. When I humble myself, he lifts me up. When I exalt myself, I'm ready for a crash. When I lift myself up, the Lord will bring me down. Why? Because pride is my destruction. We often, when the, we often say that um, uh, we misquote a verse. We actually miss half of it. Not completely misquote it. We just miss half of it. We say pride goes before fall. And the truth of the matter is, is pride goes before destruction. That's, I, would, I, I failed before, but I ain't never been destroyed. I don't want to be destroyed, but pride will lead you to destruction. So pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And the Lord says, but those who are humble and contrite, I will lift them up. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who is contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. In other words, those who humble themselves before God, God will elevate them. They don't have to try and take high ground. God gives it to them. Amen. It's his to give you. It's yours to guard. And how do, I, how do I guard it? Well, let's, let's talk about in the New Testament some of these passages of Scripture. Just always recognize there's something ooching into your mind trying to take a higher place. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says this, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought. Everybody with me? Sometimes we get pretty, pretty big on ourselves. Man, I'm my own biggest fan. I think I'm doing really good. I think, I've, I think I've got this thing figured out. I kind of like me. 
God says, uh, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself, all right? <laughs> Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Verse 16, be of the same mind toward one another. One another, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion, also known as pride. Pride goes before destruction. But here's an awesome verse of scripture. I want you to turn with me to First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, I say turn with me, and I recognize that I use more scriptures now. I mean, I use a lot of scripture, and it's just easier to look at it on the screen. Uh, but please... Use your own scriptures sometime as well, please. Second Corinthians chapter, you need to be, by the way, you need to be skilled with the sword. You need to be skilled with the sword. This is a fight we're in, and if you aren't good with your own sword, you're going to get beat. And so get good with the sword. All right, so Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. What is it saying? It says there's the physical and the spiritual. And I've already shown you how they both parallel. And that they were always putting their pagan altars on the high places. And, uh, and, and I mentioned that Hezekiah went on a mission to remove the high places. There was another one. His name was Josiah. And Josiah was a boy. He was a kid. But he came across the word of God. And he said, God don't like that stuff. Let's get it out of our lives. And he went on a mission to remove the high places, and God blessed his socks off. And he will for you too and your family and your, your friendships and all those relationships around you. But, but there is a spiritual battle that's going on, and, and you can see sometimes the things happening in the physical whether it be governments or, or, or business or relationships. And you see that the people are always trying to take the high ground, but that's because there's a real enemy who's always trying to take the high ground. And then verse 4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not physical or carnal, but are spiritual for the pulling down of strongholds. What is a stronghold? It's an area in which you've let Satan stay there long enough that he's built a fortress around it. And how does that happen? Well, it happens by me beginning to rationalize. Well, that may not be what's best for me, but, you know, God wants me to have a good time. God, God, God must have put that desire in my heart, so therefore it's not too bad. We begin to rationalize and we begin to make excuses for it. And, and, and what's happening? Strongholds are being built. Strongholds are being built. And you won't tear those down with the, the workings of your mind. It is not by might or not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. By the way, which comes out of the book of Zechariah. And that Zechariah, that passage of scripture, we know that one. Not by might or not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The next verse of scripture says, who are you, O great mountain? You will become a plain before Zerubbabel. Why don't anybody name their babies Zerubbabel anymore? I don't know. But anyway, Zerubbabel was a man who would be rebuilding the temple, and it had started under his, his leadership, and it would end under his leadership, and there was a, a government that came against him, that mountain. And here's what God says, who are you? Who are you, O great mountain? Remember, now when Jesus says, you will speak to that mountain and say, be cast into the sea, now it begins to make some sense, don't it? That governments will be cast out when the children of God speak it. 
Maybe it's in your life, and there's things that have elevated themselves in your life, and, and you've been trying to, to do 12 steps, and you've been trying to, uh, to do different programs and different things to try and remove strongholds out of your life. It is not by might, not by power. It is not carnal. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. By my spirit, says the Lord. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself. Makes sense, don't it? Makes sense. Satan's always trying to take the high ground. Why? Because that's where the tactical advantage is. And yet God says, you've got spiritual weapons to destroy that junk. You got to use them though. You got to use them. You can't be passive in this. You got to use them casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself. They're always trying to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Real quick, some practical on that. When thoughts come into my mind, sometimes I'm like, mm, that didn't come from God. Am I the only one in here that struggles with thoughts? So here's how we did it in the military. You have, you have challenge and password. And so if you were in a wartime situation, you'd have challenge and password. It would change daily. And so those who were in the know, you'd say, okay, if you're out on guard detail, here's the challenge, here's the password. Someone comes eaching up onto your, onto your uh, guard, and you would give them the challenge. New England clam chowder. No, that's not it, but you give them a challenge. And then they better know the password, challenge and password. And so they better know the response. Sometimes thoughts come into my mind, and I have to ask myself, well, what, is this an enemy thought? And I need to challenge it with, guess what, the scriptures. Does this line up with the heart of God? Does this line up with the word of God? And then if it doesn't, so here's what happens. Uh, then I need to take that thought, and I need to spread eagle them against the wall, and I need to pat them down. I need to pat that thought down. Where'd you come from? What are you trying to do here? Take every thought captive. Are you following me? Take every thought captive. And, and I need to find out what are, what, what, what are you trying to lead me into? Where do you, what, what area are you trying to take me captive in? Now I'm taking you captive. And then it says to punish every area of disobedience. There are times when I punish myself. No, I don't go back to the old... They called it flagellation, where they whoop themselves with, no, that's not what I'm talking about. But I will fast. When I realize that my flesh is getting too strong, and I'm starting to say yes to the flesh way too often, I will spend a season of, a season of fasting. And I will bring this flesh back into submission to my good God, amen. Why? Because when I'm submitted to him, he will elevate me, but I have to humble myself before that happens. Are there things that I want God to use me for the kingdom of God to do in this city? Absolutely. How do I get there? Working myself to the top? Not at all. Serving my way to the top. Serving. Even those that, that, that don't agree, even those that don't like me or, or whatever. It is by humbling yourself, God will lift you up. And so... I'm going to give you the secret. We've got to wrap this thing up. Giving you the secret. Number one, the high ground is God's to give you. Everybody with me? 
The high ground is God's to give you. And I know I called the sermon, take the hill, but it's not yours to take, it's his to give. The high ground is God's to give you. How do I get on the high, thus says the high and lofty one? By those who are humble and contrite. Those who bow their knees before God. Those who submit themselves to the Lord. He will lift you up. That's what the scripture says. But it is, once he's given it to you, he gives it, you guard it. It is yours to guard because the enemy is always trying to slip up the hill. He's always trying to sneak in on your location. And so it is yours to guard. And it is that you must take every thought captive because it is a battle of the mind. And then we need to make sure that we're thinking God thoughts because the enemy will slip in satanic thoughts or fleshly thoughts. And they may not be just, just, sometimes they are, but they may not be just so out there and openly satanic. They may just be suggestive suggestive get you kind of lean that way a little bit because if you lean if you go ahead and submit to that guess what you'll submit to more and you'll continue 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 take every thought captive and and casting down every argument and every high thing that wants to exalt itself against the knowledge of God so it's God's to give the high ground it's yours to guard but here's the secret to it everything in this church surrounds itself with this secret. Everything we do surrounds itself with this secret. Intimacy with God the Father. We know what we're trying to accomplish in our Sunday morning worship service for people to know God, for people to know him in a personal relationship and to know him better, more about God. We know what we're trying to accomplish in our small groups and if you're not a part of one, I want to encourage you to be a part of one. It is for people to grow in God, to grow in the knowledge of him, to grow in their relationship with him. And in our ministry, and there's, there's more people serving in ministry in this church, last Sunday was amazing. It was amazing. Why? Because we had so many people serving here last Sunday. And it is to flow with God. It is to get in partnership with the Lord and allow him to do a work. But they all circle and surround intimacy with God. I love Psalm 91. It says, The secret place, those who dwell in the secret place of the, guess what, most high, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and fortress. My God, in him do I trust. My God, the most high, I put my trust in him. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Under his feathers shall you take refuge and under his wings shall you take cover. His truth will be your shield and buckler. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, even my God, your refuge, no evil shall befall you. No plague shall come near your dwelling, for he will give his angels charge over you. In their arms they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent shall you trample underfoot. Anybody need to know who that is? The young lion, the cobra, the snake, the serpent. It's the enemy. It's Satan. It's all his demonic hordes. It says, I will put you above them and they will be under your feet. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent shall you trample underfoot. Amen. And then God says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. 
I will set him where? On high. Because he has known my name. You need to know about that name? It says this in Philippians. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought equality with God was not something to be held on to, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of the servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he did what? Humbled himself. Became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of, let's say that again, at the name of every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? I will set him on high because he has known my name. Do you know his name personally, intimately, deeply? Do you know my Jesus? If you don't, today you can. You can come to know Jesus today. I pray you do. We're going to have a time of invitation. Our praise team's on their way up. I need you to start doing a spiritual inventory right now, examining your heart. Have I allowed the enemy to take some high ground in my life? I've been noticing that I think way too much on this. I spend way too much time with this. I spend way too much money with this. May not be evil in itself. May not be bad at all. It can actually be good. That's that makes it easier to rationalize. That makes it easier to excuse. But if it's something that has exalted itself against the knowledge of God, it does not bear blessings with it. It's the enemy trying to take the high ground. And what he does not need is for you to try and fortify that. But we will. We'll make a stronghold. We'll do his job for him. We'll give excuses and rationalizations and defenses against something that God says, let me just pull that down. Let's just get that out of the way. You're allowing the enemy to erect high places in your life. So we must first put Christ first. And Christ says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What things? Uh, those very things that we talked about. They'll be given to you. High places are his to give, not yours to take. And but once he gives them, it's yours to guard. Seek you first. What does that mean? First in priority. Priority. He's first place. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray. Then we're going to have a time of invitation. And as we do, the, the prayer team will be at the front. The altar will be open. Remember when I said, oh, this, is, this just came to me. This is good right here. It's good. It's, it's work right here. Remember how I said the physical often, well, it, it parallels the spiritual. The physical parallels the spiritual. Sometimes you got to move your feet before you'll move your heart. Sometimes just coming down here to the altar, you can, you can make decisions and all back there in your seat, and, and we should. I mean, we, we, I asked you to do a spiritual inventory already. But it just gets real when you move your body. As you physically walk down the aisle and say, Lord, 
I'm going to bring this before you. I'm going to bring this before you. I surrender to you again. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of gods, the God most high, El Elyon, I surrender to you. Father God, we thank you for your goodness and your greatness. And we love you. And all the junk of this world combined cannot compare to one fraction of who you are. All the pleasures of this world combined cannot, cannot come close to the satisfaction I get when I am in your presence. When I know the sweetness of the fellowship of my good God. So let me focus on you. And everything else will grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. Help me, Lord, turn my eyes upon Jesus to look full in your wonderful face. May the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship.